Welcome. This is a safe place. Why don't you make yourselves comfortable and have a seat on the couch? This is not quite therapy. Are you comfortable? Hell no, I'm not comfortable. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chrissy. Tell me, how does that make you feel? I don't want to talk about it. Is it going to hurt? Oh my God, this is awkward. I'm not qualified to give advice here, but... Can we sit this close together? This is not quite therapy. With Chrissy and Brian, a how-to-do brand show about divorce, dating, and single parenting promised to be packed with awkward moments, insights from a couple cuties with absolutely no professional credentials, but plenty of life experience, and intense sexual innuendo. Gah, so much sexual innuendo. Are you ready, Brian? God, Chrissy, I'm going to need a drink. All righty then, let's get started, shall we? Hey, Brian. Hey, Chrissy. <laughs> How you doing? I'm anxious to get this drink started. I see that. I just had to shake my head no at you. Chomping at the bit. Can you give me like a couple seconds for an intro? Do it. Go. All right. Okay, so Brian, one of my favorite things to read is the Modern Love column and its counterpart, the Tiny Love Stories in the New York Times. Yes. And I subscribe to the New York Times specifically for this column. I don't really read news. I'm not really a big newsy, but I like this column. <laughs> I'm not really big newsy. I don't really like what's going on in the world necessarily. So I but I like it. modern love. Perfect. They have a podcast where the essays are read. They have a short TV series where they made like eight of the most popular essays into video. It's on Amazon Prime. And modern love is full of things that can make you cry and make you think and make you believe in love. And sometimes those little like tiny love stories, the ones that are like only a hundred words. They're so great. They can make you feel like a hundred different things. They pack a lot in. They do. They do. And sometimes celebrities write the stories, but most of the time it's written by regular people. Uh-huh. And some of the regular people get book deals out of it. Are we regular people? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're totally regular people, yeah. Right. And they get book deals out of it and stuff, so you know, I would like to get one someday and get a book deal out of it. That'd be great. Okay, okay. Um, and sometimes there's a little bit of a hint of research, and that's the essay that we're going to talk about today. Hit me. But first... Dear Brian. Yes. Actively start making a drink while oh, we're drinking triplets. Perfect, perfect. Is it hot in here? Are you that parched? I'm parched. How about a drink? How to Do Cocktails is brought to you by How to Do Life, a podcast about, well, how to do life. You can listen to How to Do Life right here, where you're hearing us now, or find them on any podcast app. They are literally everywhere. And here's our disclaimer. How to do life right means drinking responsibly and moderately. A drink is not a necessary component to intimate conversations like the one you're about to hear. Here, here, announcer man. Yeah, but it sure doesn't hurt. Guys, I just want to say, good job, Brian. You started making the drink immediately. See? Such good timing today. I follow instructions. You do. What are you going to make Sometimes. for us today, Brian? Today, you know, uh, I went with the what have I got in the fridge routine. Mm-hmm. And uh, you asked one. me what the drink was. And I looked in the fridge and I had two uh, very nice uh, Fever Tree brand ginger beers. And I said, you know what? Moscow Mule sounds good. So that's what we're going with. I like a Moscow Mule. Yeah. I like it with bitters in it. That would be a great addition mm-hmm. if your lovely co-host had remembered to, mm-hmm. to follow those instructions. So let me <clears> tell <throat> the people what's happening on how to do life um, while you finish making these drinks. Heather is watching the AfriCam. She's obsessing over animals on the savannah as her COVID coping mechanism. Um, also, the latest episode out is that we had you on, Brian, as we do 
every 10th episode. Fantastic. And um, How did it come out? I think it's all right. I do recall a comment that you made last week. Oh, boy. <laughs> where you said, I asked you how you thought this show was going, and you said, I like showing up and being the talent, and Chrissy does the heavy lifting. That is <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you got yourself in trouble this week, didn't you? I did. I did. I was in trouble. Because you flaked on me, and you were a bad friend and a bad co-host. Well, I feel like I'm now being punished very publicly for that. You told me I could. I did. I gave you permission as I stirred your cocktail. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, you guys can go listen to episode, I think it's 10, um, where Brian joined us. And you can hear him get up on his high horse. And then you can listen along right now where he gets knocked down. You know, I did some research. The Moscow Mule, as you might know, is uh, a healthy amount of vodka. I'm using a Rika mm-hmm. vodka, which comes from Iceland today. Uh, that was at the recommendation of a local liquor store. And this fancy pants um, ginger beer. You don't have to use fancy pants ginger beer. And then a squeeze of lime. And you usually see these served in copper mugs. And mm-hmm. I always wondered, why in the world do I need a copper mug? And according to Googlepedia... They tell me that it's because uh, it preserves the temperature of the drink better, mm-hmm. keeps it colder, and then some people think that the copper composition of the copper does something to enhance the bubbliness of the carbonated ingredients in a oh. Moscow meal. Um, also, a number one reason is just that it looks cool. It looks real cool. So, I like them. And I like that you, you brought them to us today. You brought cups. Yeah. We're not drinking out of coffee mugs. Nope, nope. We did great. Yes. Yeah, this is really heavy. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, that was close. Oh, that was Tap close. Tap the table. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Refreshing. Delicious. Mm-hmm. That's a go-to. It is. It's a summertime go-to. It that is. That and a uh, gin and tonic. And it's getting hot here. Yeah, on, it is it's, hot. Yeah, it's good. All right, let's get into some foreplay. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? Want to fool around? Uh, What are we talking about here, like? First base, second base. Yikes. I don't think that's what she meant. Alright, so back to modern love. Um, I read one recently, and I'll put a link up in the show notes, that discussed breeding intimacy between strangers through like a carefully crafted set of questions. And they're designed to get like progressively more deep to make people like each other. And Brian, this made me think, why? Why are we doing this? Why are sociologists trying to get people who don't know each other and might not like each other or have anything in common to like each other? I think because they have to justify their education <laughs> and continue <laughs> to do research that's paid for by colleges to, uh, I don't know why sociologists do anything they do. I mean, I just think that that's very silly. It made me think about The Bachelor and how they put people in these situations to try to drive al- adrenaline, you know? Yep. And I don't understand why we're trying to connect strangers. <clears throat> And I don't, like, don't we already have internal things in us that tell us? I don't think it's we are, you say we, I don't think we are trying, we as society are not trying to con- connect strangers. I think that strangers are, in a lot of ways, seeking connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a world that is more digitally sort of disconnected, we're looking for ways to connect at a deeper level. And so, of course, the logical way to do that is reality television. Of course. No, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but, yeah, I think that people want to be connected. We were designed, I think, you know, again, we get back to whatever. Um, we're designed for community, for for coupling up 
Ooh, bump the mic. Ooh, Hard. John is not Busted like it. That one. Wham. <laughs> Uh, I think mid. I think we're community people. I think we and some of us are more more bent that way than others. Like I'm I'm a partner person. I need to be with the I feel like I'm I'm better when I'm half of something else. At yeah. least. So I, I don't know. That. Yeah. I also wondered if this kind of thing would really work because I felt like there has to be some kind of pairing up. So you're the sociologist, you're designing this. Something takes place before these questions. Because if they put you they have to look at like, all right, we're going to put these two people together, uh-huh. to, you know, and like personality is a big part of it. They have to be looking at some factors of who they're going to put together for this experiment. Because if they put you with someone that you have nothing in common with, that's not going to build intimacy. That's going to build contempt. You know, if, when you have to, if you have to listen to somebody give answers to these questions and you totally fundamentally disagree with their worldview don't you think that would be i think if the goal is to identify potential matches then hearing another person's answers is a a filtering mechanism right like I if, guess so. if you ask me you know what your favorite food is and you say you know ribeye steak and i'm a vegan well that's a that's a self-filtering mechanism and i have to learn that about you eventually so why not ask a weird question about it i guess but these questions were more existential i think yeah they are and i actually i thought it would be fun for us to ask a few of them and see if we like each other better or worse at the end let her rip <laughs> let's go all right so here's the first one i predict worse <laughs> always worse <laughs> <laughs> can't get any better oh no no, no. i mean it can't, can't get, any, get worse. any worse yeah okay um all right so the first one is we each need to make three true we statements we about you and I? Mm-hmm. We. Oh, boy. So like three. We e- both. Yeah. We both are sitting in this room. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, I got one. <laughs> yeah. We enjoy coffee together. We do. We enjoy Moscow meals together. <laughs> I'm going for the cheap shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think we bring out a natural silliness I think so in too. one another. I think that's a good thing. We are both wearing red. Oh, we are. <laughs> okay, all right. I think we, I think that was my three. I think you have to do one more. Okay. Um, we both love our kids above everything else. True. Good one. All right, here's the next one. Complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. I wish I had someone with whom I could share the rest of my life without fear oh that's a really good answer i do like you better see mm-hmm. that's such a bad guy gosh but now i feel a lot of pressure for my answer um <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to do it can i skip <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay 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 i wish i had someone with whom i could share a pizza <laughs> <laughs> Um, my whole self unfiltered. Oh, okay. All right. How about that? Good. Although I kind of feel like I do that a lot, but okay. I feel like, uh, I don't, I can't speak for you, but I feel like you express your unfiltered self consistently and, uh, it'd be lovely if uh, someone came along who could handle it. Yeah. I think that would be nice if someone could <laughs> handle it. I do think that sometimes people maybe think that I am sillier or more fun than I am. I think that sometimes I'm a very like emotional person mm-hmm. and I carry around heavy stuff and I don't always share that quite as readily. Sure. You know, so I think there's that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Tell 
this person something that you like about them? What do I like about Chrissy? I like your willingness to say difficult things. Thank you. I appreciate that. I like that. I feel like when we have conversation, you are consistently more open than I expect you to be. Okay. And I like that. Good. About you. Good. All right. The next one is, if you were to die tonight and you didn't get to talk to anyone, what would you wish you had said to someone? And why haven't you? Oh, I say it all the time, though. I tell my kids I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... Uh, oh, gosh. I don't want to sit here and cry. I would, uh, I would tell my parents that they did a good job. I love that. I feel like my mom in particular really feels like she did a crappy job raising me. Or not a crappy job, but she made her share of mistakes and, and, and she'll own up to it. And I feel like she regrets she has regret over that Mm -hmm. and i would i would once again forgive her for that and tell her that i love her well i like that you have done it before you know and i think that that would be a good thing to do again and when you say that that like that touches me because when my mom passed away i was like the primary caretaker and i carry a lot of guilt about it i don't think i did it right Mm. and i would like to you know i know she would forgive me and i know she knows that i did the best that i could Mm -hmm. but i would love to hear her say you know like no it's okay you know because she was such a good caretaker and I you know struggled a little bit but yeah mine would probably be to my kids I would if you know I actively try every day to make memories with them so Mm -hmm. that because my parents died so young I'm like what if I just am gone I want them to have a lot of things you know so there I would just try to tell them as many things as I could that I think they would need to carry with them as grown-ups yeah you know you say you want them to have a lot of things. You don't mean material possessions. No. You mean memories. Yeah. Yeah. And Makes sense. You know, I want them to really know me and my outlook, you know, because it's hard when your parents aren't around anymore to be like, God, what would, what would my dad think of that? Yeah. You know? And So here's an awkward question. Okay. What would you say if you were going to die tonight and you could say one thing to your ex, what would you tell him? I'll tell him thank you for all the good years and all the, all the good things he brought into my life. Yeah? Yeah. Good. What would you say to yours? Probably that I was sorry for my part. Yeah. In, in, in you know, I would probably want to say that too because I think that that would mean more to him than my thank you is mm-hmm. my apology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that. I like that we got off task and asked even better questions. See, there you go. <laughs> Who, what does the New York Times know? Right, exactly. Ah. All right, um, you have time to save one <clears throat> thing other than people and pets in your home as it burns. What do you save? John's going to have to edit out my thinking time here. <laughs> I'll answer while you thing. think. Okay? Yeah, go. Because um, I'm not a very material possession person. And I know you're about, not either. We've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. yeah. But the one thing I would save, I have a family photo from the turn of the century, like when photos were like new. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, six generations before my kids, maybe mm-hmm. seven. Mm-hmm. And I would probably just grab that because I, I can't replace that. You yeah. know? Like, yeah. I can't. I can't replace that. Uh, after my grandfather passed away, um, he his my cousin sent um, a package. I didn't know it was coming, and it was a big padded envelope, and it had um, just piles of old photographs that hung on the family wall. Every every house, every grandparents' house, I think. Of course, had, yeah, had a, a wall whole wall of family photos. Mm-hmm. 
Never, not to mention in gold frames. This, right. Well, he wasn't that tacky. <laughs> but um, this was back to all gold frame people. I apologize. <laughs> this was uh, this was back in the day when it was all thirty five millimeter cameras and nothing was digital, and so mm-hmm. there were photo albums, reams of, of photographs. And uh, my cousin went through the entire archive of that half of my family and pulled out everything that was relevant to me. So it had like pictures of me and my kids from Easter when we were down there and, and all this Aww. just, mm-hmm. but all on 35 millimeter film. And mm-hmm. then some like newspaper clippings about my grandfather's World War II story and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I would grab that envelope probably. Yeah. Because that's got pictures I can't replace and stuff that will never be seen again. Do you think most people are like us and they would go grab like one family heirloom nostalgic thing? I would hope so. Like if your answer is, oh, my Rolex, then you're a you're douchebag. Douche, yeah. yeah, I, I, I like, I, I, but I don't think that would be a realistic answer for right. anybody. I would uh-huh. think, you know, yeah. I, See, I can't that's imagine. where it would breed contempt and not closeness. If you were sitting with yeah. someone and they're like, my Rolo, you know, like, right. you know, no, 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 no. My 65 Mustang. <laughs> no, shut up. No. You <laughs> no. I hope no. not. But you yeah, never exactly. know. All right. Um, this is the last one of these questions. Of all of the people in your family... Whose death would you find the most disturbing and why? My younger sister. Yeah? Yeah, because if she dies before me, then um, then I'm old enough to die. And that would make me think about my own mortality. Like, your parents were kind of, you know, supposed to die before you. Now, in your case, they died considerably before you, and they were, they were not typical elderly mm-hmm. dying ages. <clears throat> but how old were they again? 60 and 63. Yeah, so that's yeah. fairly mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if my younger sister died, then I would feel alone in a pretty profound way. I think it's funny that you say that because my initial reaction when I read this question was my older sister mm. because she's the top of the food chain. Um, she's, like, the oldest in our family, you know, and, and I'm also very close with her. But then I stopped and thought about it, and neither one of us could even fathom the idea that our children should have made this equation of Yeah, family. that's the same, like, right. And my kids As you did, were talking, I was yeah. like, I didn't say my kids. Right, exactly. Who and am I? What? So, same. <laughs> and I think it's because we can't even, like, because I thought about it, I was like, hey, what kind of monster mother am I? And I'm like, no, it's because you can't even go there. When yeah. you think about it, you think about the people you grew up with. Yeah, yeah. You think about adults, right. quote unquote. You know, right. like, But yeah. It's if, completely if, unfathomable that, that yeah. any of mm-hmm. my kids could die before. Exactly. Before I, yeah. I go. So what do you think about these questions? Like, would you be freaked out if you were asked to do an exercise like this with a total stranger? I think I would have to have volunteered for something like that. So, no, I wouldn't. I would walk into that sort of experiment knowing it was an experiment. But, um, no, I feel like uh, those are good sort of like first date sort of questions in a weird way. You know, like. Who's going to die in your family and how do you feel about it? No, if I asked you that on a first one, date, what are you going to say? Wow, that, that was weird. <laughs> Okay, maybe not the death ones, but other stuff, you know, like, I don't know. I'm a, I don't care what your favorite color is. I don't care what your right. favorite rock I band know is. I want to know something about you. I something about you. So, yeah, that's important stuff. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the link is up if our listeners want to go on and figure out if they um, like someone. Are compatible. <laughs> Are compatible. What if, if you and, what if we're encouraging people to go out and look at this link and then they, them and their spouses answer this question and they answer them in offensive ways that divide Many them. people are married to people who they probably shouldn't be, so. Oof. <laughs> I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about that. Very good. Okay, all right, fine. Maybe. I don't feel bad about that. No. All right, well, it's time for us to go to the down and dirty. We have to um, get our friend Heather in here. Yes. And then we'll go to the down and dirty. Perfect. All right. Heather! Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? I think I'm ready now. 
So you want to get this off your chest? Let's get down and dirty, babe. It is gone off the reservation. A grand slam home run. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I'm a, I'm a lot intimidated. We are bringing a third party into the down and dirty today. Nope. Not gonna. I am not even going to contribute to not that. Not gonna acknowledge that. Me either. Nope. So Heather, who is yes. the other half of How to Do Life, is here, mm-hmm. and she is here to talk with our fake therapy crew about real experiences. Okay. So we're going to talk about therapy. We're going to talk about, for us, whether we've gone as couples before our divorces. Right. Um, whatever you're willing to share with us about, you know, how you and Robbie have kept it beautiful and real for all of the time that you have <laughs> will be beautiful for us to learn from. That'll be great. Um, oh, gosh. I should have thought about that ahead of time. We... uh if, if I ask you something that you don't like, we have a safe word. It's pineapple. Oh, pineapple? So, yeah. So. Okay. If I just say that? <laughs> yeah. So if you if you don't like it and you don't want to play anymore, you just say if pineapple. If I'm out, I just yeah. say pineapple. Yeah. Okay. It's a good safe word. So let's talk. Let's just start with, uh, <laughs> don't look at me like that. Let's just start with, um, I think that all of us in this room are happy to admit that we have gone to therapy on our own at mm-hmm. some point, you know, for some things in our history let's kind of talk about something that led you there and something that you know like why you felt like it was a good thing I think that all of us feel like there's no stigma with therapy so I mean for us personally okay so, yeah 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 um I think therapy's great I think everybody need could benefit from therapy I I, I feel like none of us are intended to know everything and be able to go through life alone and without any help. And there's like a whole bunch of people who want to help so much that they got degrees (laughs) and PhDs and learned a whole bunch of things about how to help. And that's their job. They made it their job. So we should let them do their job. Mm-hmm. And when we have a problem that we're not able to handle on our own, it's really handy that there are these great people called therapists who have made it their job to help. Yeah. I, think so I feel like it's like oil changes. Right. Like yeah. It's like you, it's, it's available. Every 3,000 miles you right. go and get your oil changed and that's just a part of owning a car. And I feel like talking to someone smarter than you about your own emotions is an important part of being a human. Well, and somebody who's not in your life already. Yeah. You know, if you ask your friends or you ask your partner or your parents or somebody, you know, they are, they're in your life with you. Yeah. And, you know, every time that I have had a successful time with therapy, it's from somebody who, you know, doesn't not care for me, but they don't care for me in that way. You know, they don't know your friends. They don't know your situation. They only know what you tell them and they have no outside view or no outside outlook into, Mm -hmm. you know, they have no personal feelings in it. They got no skin in the game. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, And it helps to have somebody to ask questions from a different perspective that aren't loaded in any way. Mm-hmm. And to answer questions asked by a third party who, again, like Chrissy said, just only knows what you tell them. Right. And they can't, you know, they're not coming at you with preconceived notions. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've gotten some tough answers from therapists, my, my therapist in the past. 
um, that I was not ready to hear. And mm. I was actually kind of hurt and offended by, like, oh, how dare you say that? And then after some time, it realized, oh, yeah, she's totally right. Mm-hmm. I would not have seen it that way if I had been only going to people who were either protecting my feelings or, you know, didn't want to hurt me in, you know, by being honest or were trying to, you know, manipulate some other type of agenda. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who um, has been in therapy for a while and was telling me recently, he's like, this therapist wants me to like own my part in my divorce. And this therapist is like, well, you were a contributor too. And that's such a bunch of bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, maybe it's not though. Maybe you weren't ready to hear it. Right. But you know, like, and that objective person to be like, look, nobody did it perfectly and ended up divorced. You know, like if you ended up divorced, you both probably played, you know, oh, you both sure. probably came along. Oh yeah. You know, there's two sides to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, like, what is it Dr. Phil says? No matter how flat you make a pancake, there's still two sides. Like <laughs> That and you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Oh, that's true that's also. Dr. Philism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, Brian, go to therapy as a couple? Did you go individually before your divorce, Both. after your divorce? Yeah. Both, mm-hmm. yeah. Both and. Um, yeah. Went went as a as an individual first. And then brought my ex-wife in to see the same therapist. Um, so he was quote-unquote mine before he was ours. Yeah, do you feel like you should have found someone else? Well, I've quit seeing that person. So I've, I've moved on from mm-hmm. that. But um, I don't see any downside to that. This, he was the, the gentleman we were seeing was very objective. Do you and, think she saw any downside to that? No, I really don't. No conversation I ever had indicated so. Did you start before her because... You felt like you had your own stuff to work on, or were you going because the relationship was failing? No, it was only it was because I had my own stuff to work on. Um, you know, they, they talk about family of origin and childhood stuff, and you know, just I had some some of my own stuff that came with growing up. My situation was a little bit different. I uh, I asked my ex husband to go to therapy several times, and he. Basically, he was like, nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. There's no reason for us to do this. But I didn't start going on my own. I waited until I was 100% ready to get divorced. Mm. And then we literally went to like one session and the therapist said to us, she's not going to get back on board with this. She's already worked through all this. She's already where she is. And she's nothing. I can't do anything with you guys. Right. Because one of you is out. One of you is already out, mm-hmm. and it was too late. It was too late. And yeah. I will say that then after we got divorced, or, I mean, after we separated and there was no reconciliation, that's when I started doing individual therapy. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, one of the things that my therapist said, therapist, counselor, are we using the same yeah, word? Yeah, whatever, interchangeable. I think some in, people freak out with the T word, but, you know, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we, were, we referred to this person as a marriage counselor. He was, mm-hmm. he was you know, whatever. Um, had all the degrees and all that stuff, so he was not unequally qualified, but we called him a counselor. And um, one of the things that he said to me, which sounds like it's true in your situation, was that the person who is least invested in the relationship has more power. 
I think that's oh, true. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I had never heard that before. I think now I'm like, obviously that makes sense. But right. in my context, that person was me. Right. Because I, like you, had already worked through a bunch of the, mm-hmm. you know, there is something on the other side of the fence. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. There is some some other thing I could be doing that might be better for me emotionally than this. And I would be willing to look at that. So were you done by the time y'all got to therapy? Hmm. I mean, realistically, probably yes. How, was she? No. Okay. See, so, and that, that's how it was for me, too. Mm-hmm. Like, my ex... I would, have, I would have told you... I don't mean to interrupt. Yes, I would you have, do. No, well, <laughs> it's, important, it's important to clarify. <laughs> I would have told you no. I would have said, I'm in this. I want to figure this out. I right. want to work through this. But hindsight's 2020 right. and I know now that as I sat there two years ago three years ago mm-hmm. it was I was I that part of me was deceased yeah <laughs> I was, you know I, I, mean? and I definitely understand that I remember so I feel like my ex-husband felt blindsided mm-hmm. even though I felt like I was yeah. saying to him consistently we you know this is not okay this is not okay I'm not happy here this isn't working I felt like I was saying that really consistently to me, to him, but I felt like he wasn't hearing that. And so then when I said, you know what, I'm done, then he kicked into turbo of how do I fix this? Right. And then there were love notes and let's do these things together. And I mean, it's really, really sad to think about, honestly, because I I couldn't sit in those sessions and open myself back up to what I had literally spent about three years closing down and, and reconciling. You well, know? you know, it's kind of like when you when you're in a job that is like a dead end situation and eventually you check out, you know, and yeah. you show up and you're like going through the motions, you're checking all the boxes, you're doing the stuff, but you are totally looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. You it, as soon as you start looking for a new job and thinking about working someplace else, you automatically stop participating yeah. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by the time you go and say, I've received a job offer and I'm leaving for this <laughs> other job and they start trying to make a counter offer, you're like, oh, right. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I've already packed up my stuff. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I have already moved the out. Boxes by the door. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, the time for that was a long time ago. Right. Which, which goes to my, I mean, I feel like, if you are married, you should see a marriage counselor. I really think I, that it's just so such an obvious thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, like if if we had seen, I mean, if you're young and you're budgeting and you can't, there's just you have to work that into your life at the beginning to prevent the buildup of gunk in your engine. Yeah. It, it, and mm-hmm. honestly, maintenance. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't flush it out and you don't talk about these things. And it, it doesn't have to be necessarily with an external person, but if you hit a God, wall, does, do you, I, but I, don't you feel like if everything no, feels my, great? No, because mm-hmm. my ex and I talked in circles about our issues and I said, I feel this way. And she told me I was wrong. Well, that's what I mean. When me you I... hit a wall, when you hit a roadblock, then it's time to go get a, a third opinion. If everything's kind of okay, everything's kind of okay. I think it depends on the dynamic that you have between the two of you. Sometimes, you know, when people ask me and Robbie for our quote, secrets to a happy marriage you guys really do have a sweet marriage we do we have a really fantastic relationship good for you (laughs) i need so many things to throw at him today but we okay so for one we we've grown up together Mm -hmm. we've been together since we were about 16 right on 17 Mm -hmm. yeah so we've been married we've been together like 26 years Mm -hmm. wow i don't even know how many years we've been married and um (laughs) and we're 40 
something this year. 44 mm-hmm. this year? 40-ish. Oh. I had to ask him the other day, how old are we this year? I've asked you on the air <laughs> how old you are three or four times. And I never whenever know. I talk to people, I'm like, she's 43 or 44. I don't know because she doesn't know. I don't know. She doesn't know how old she is. <laughs> it's just not that important. But anyway. She's the elder in the room, though. She's yeah. the older. Am I? Am Respected. I older than both of y'all? Oh, cool. I'm 42. Okay, yeah, I'm totally I'm 39. See, so now you've brought the wise, we brought the wise adult. The wisdom. We brought the adult <laughs> who has a strong 26 year marriage who or whatever. Hasn't failed like yeah, we have. exactly. We brought her, our guru. Now, that's not here. true. I know. I, and that's the thing is, I don't necessarily think that it's a surprise to anybody that every marriage has highs and lows. Right. I mean, yeah. if, if you don't, then you're just. You're either fooling yourself or you're completely lying. Or you've been married for 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, we have almost always come from the perspective as there's like three of us in this marriage. There's me, there's you, and there's us. Oh, that's sweet. And we, <laughs> we have like, we each have, we're each individual people. You know, just because we're married to each other doesn't mean that we have ceased to be to be different people but then we also have our marriage and and like we i think have gone through cycles where we have been really good at that and times when we haven't been as good at that but we all we also do con- constructively talk about our marriage i think that that's interesting to hear and i think it's really cool that you have done so well with it since being so young because i mean i can't speak for you brian but i can say that in my marriage when we became an us, I don't think there was as much a me and a him. I felt like we had to do everything together. We had to agree on everything. We had to, you know, like if one parent says no, the other parent backs that no and doesn't, you know, doesn't, you know, contest that. And that's how my marriage was built. And so sometimes I would want certain things for my children that I felt like I couldn't make happen because... He was against it. And the compromise, Mm -hmm. quote, was always me saying, okay, well, I guess we'll do it that way, you know? Which I'm sure you can't imagine from me, but there was a time in my history that... Well, I can imagine why that would make you so unhappy Mm -hmm. that you had to get out of that because Mm -hmm. that's not your authentic self Mm -hmm. to to feel that way. Right. Well, I... um, We don't don't agree on everything. You know, there are some... Things. In fact, there are some things that are kind of fundamental that we don't agree on. Like, can I say this? Is it okay that Robbie doesn't do the church and you do the church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that that was going to be mm-hmm. a big thing. And um, and it's not. You know, it's I, I love Robbie. I love Robbie. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that Robbie's great. And, you know, I want to spend all my time with Robbie. And I have come to believe that he also thinks that I'm great. And he sure does. <laughs> I've seen Robbie look at you. He thinks you're great. Yeah. And I feel really, really lucky to have him in my life. Sure. Let yeah, me yeah, shift yeah. and ask this guy a question. Okay, go. First of all, two questions. Uh-huh. Two part. Do you feel equally responsible in your divorce? And do you think it could have been saved if you had gone sooner? I think that a hundred percent the responsibility was shared. I don't I don't know that if it's a a 60-40 division or a 50-50 or a 90-10, I, you know, that probably differs based on which of us you're talking to. Uh, but, yeah, I own my stuff. I, I certainly contributed to the the, the disillusion of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the second question? Do you think it could have been saved if you had gone sooner? 
Um, if by sooner you mean like six months into our marriage, yes. That okay. soon? You knew? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, yeah, well, um, without too much pineapple material, as you right. say. Yeah. Um, we had the first handful of years of our marriage was really rough for a number of pineapple reasons. <laughs> and um, and uh, so, yeah, we probably should have been in counseling before we were married and and then into the marriage and up to present day. Which calls into question whether or not we should have ever been married in the first place. You know, it's funny that you say that. I had a boyfriend for a short time after I um, got divorced that, like, I really loved this guy. I really loved him. But part of our, like, are we going to be together and are we going to make this work was, like, we have to go to therapy starting day one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me wonder, would it ever have worked when we had so much baggage that we were both carrying in from the moment that it started, you know, that, well, how are we ever going to get through this? And how are we going to solve that? And maybe it would have been great. Maybe it would have been an ongoing, okay, we work through these issues as a team with this third party. Or maybe it would have been a hot freaking mess and a really bad choice. I feel like self-awareness is a huge part of it. Because in my 20s, in my early 20s, when I got married, I was certainly not self-aware enough to know to be able to put a, a label on the baggage I was bringing in. Right. It was just sort of stuck to my back and I couldn't see it. Right. You know? You didn't know mm-hmm. you like had a, it. Like a big mm-hmm. kick me sign. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and probably her, to her the same way. She, she couldn't necessarily identify her own junk, but with the input of a third party who probably could have dissected our arguments and said, mm-hmm. okay, when, when you said this, she felt this. When you said this, mm-hmm. he felt that. If you're getting some sort of you know disinterested third party's opinion on on the topics that we were fighting through, um, probably could have helped. Okay, so I have been able to and, articulate my and, answer. Good. No, no, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? And, and hopefully would have would have cured um, a, a a fair portion of our junk that would have prevented future conflict. So hopefully. It, so here's the thing: when you hear somebody saying for like in the scenario that you just presented, where when you said that. She felt this. When you said this, he felt that. I think that the next logical piece that needs to be there for the marriage to be able to succeed is for the respective people to care how the other person feels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to articulate earlier, where if you get to a point in your marriage where your usual forms of communication aren't working mm-hmm. and there's tension. And, you know, you're not connecting. You're not, you don't feel like like the other person is like as, you know, you can just sense that something's wrong. You have to actually care about how the other person feels mm-hmm. in the relationship. Otherwise, you could easily go into a therapy conversation where a therapist says, well, when you said blah, 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 he feel he hears this, he feels that. And you have to have the reaction of, I don't want him to feel that way. Yeah. And Heather, I want to fix that. That's why I say I feel like we got there too late in right. my marriage. Right. You know, because Same. there was a point where I was like, you know, let's go because I really care and I really want to fix this. And then when I didn't care anymore, like, and that's a hard feeling to carry around when you're the person who kind of let it go first, you know, when suddenly this person kicks it into overdrive. But I knew in my mind, especially being a behavioral professional my right. whole life, I know there's only so much change that's going to occur. You know, so I, I just felt like by this point, we've had these issues for 16 years. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't feel like going in to talk about them today is going to change this long-term trajectory. And I don't feel like I can live with these specific deficits that have been part of our marriage since the beginning. Um, I don't feel like I can live with that deficit for the rest of my life. So it's sad, but we're sitting here today and you can promise me the world and you can tell me you want to make all these changes, but I've been asking for these changes for right. as long as I can remember. Right. And yeah. we never got to sit down and have those conversations where you got to show that you cared. And maybe you didn't, you know, and that's fine, right. too, you know, because we ended up where we ended up, you know. Well, I'm curious to know if either of you felt like the person you were married to was the one for you. I did not. I don't appreciate the fact that the guest is asking us questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. See, in the, retrospect, I would say in no. In retrospect, yeah. And there I was, think that in there the, was surely a moment. Like when mm, you were dating where you Did you're you just, ever you know, feel like this is the one? No. I, get, I felt, I just speaking purely about myself and not at all about the other person, I felt so little for myself. Hmm. Uh, my my self-esteem, um, my self-confidence was so low that I felt fairly fortunate to mm -hmm. have someone care enough about me to want to spend that much time with me. Right. And so I figured it can't get any better than this. I will do what comes next. I just have to deal with whatever this is. Right. And I was, I didn't, my own desires were um, not only irrelevant, but, but completely cast off. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, some of my own desires that came into focus later in my life, later in my life, listen to me, I'm 42, but uh, later in my marriage, by that point, it was too late. Yeah. Because, you know, some other pineapple things. But yeah. <laughs> what about you? Ask a question again. Do you feel like, was there a time in your relationship, in your marriage, when you were, when you felt like he was the one for you? If I think back to what it felt like to be 21 years old and like start dating him, I didn't know any different version of love than that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I could connect with someone on a more meaningful intellectual level, on a more meaningful physical level. I, I, I just didn't know. Yeah. So at the time, I thought, well, this seems fine. Right. You know? This must but be I, what it's like. I also had different variables then. Okay. And I do believe, like, you got, we, we talked earlier on this episode, we've talked, all of us, you know, at other times that my parents are deceased and I had a uh, I had a dad who was a very strong intellectual connection for me mm -hmm. and when I lost that I needed something different mm -hmm. from my spouse that he had never provided that was not in his wheelhouse that was not in his skill set that now I was missing from a man mm -hmm. and I never knew that I could find that until after I was divorced and I met someone else that, right. you know, that gave me that. So I guess from what I knew love to look like, I thought maybe this is it. You know, there was probably a moment where I thought maybe this is it. Right. This, this should be it. We get along well. We have yeah. fun together. <laughs> this he's is a, fine. He's a nice guy. This <laughs> is fine. Everything is fine. You know, and but I didn't realize the big chunks of things that were missing until I missed them, I guess. Right. Yeah. 
I'm, I, the reason why I was curious about that is because I have always felt 150 million percent that I'm with the person I'm supposed to be with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes it so much of a of an obvious thing to fight for. Right. Of like if there's a fracture or if it's not if, if something feels um, like there's tension, then of course we talk about it. You know, like when we talked on on how to do life and we talked about sexual incompatibility. Yes. And, you know, is that a deal breaker? And yes. I said no. I said yes. Yeah. And I said no. You know, if you're committed to the other person and you're committed to to them and, and to who they are and who what you have together, then I don't necessarily think that's a deal breaker, but we were talking about that's different exactly. levels of yep. incompatibility. And we were talking about the um, like that we came at this from totally different perspectives. Yes. Mm-hmm. You came at this from a place where you've been able to find a compromise that makes two people happy for a long time. And I came at it from a place of I spent 16 years in an unhappy situation right. sexually. You right. Know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it, it, relationships are just, I think that they're, they're organic and they're living things. And both people need to have lots and lots of open communication. Right. Man, you guys, I could talk to you guys about this stuff all day, but I feel like we need to wrap it up. I feel like we're close on time. And thank you, Heather. Thank you. For being here. I'm going to go thank home you. and pick a pineapple upside down cake. Right? <laughs> With a lot of pineapple There's today. So, so much. much pineapple in the room. Just to anybody who's listening who's even wondering, is therapy good for me? If you are even asking yourself that question, the answer is probably yes. Yes, definitely. And it will always pay off to at least explore it. I kind of feel like, okay, Once. so if you didn't like it, then don't go back. But don't go back. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. People. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10, highly recommend. For sure. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Brian, do you like that I um, brought our running pineapple joke to the show today? I do. I, I like do. it, yeah, too. Yeah. I like Absolutely. it, too. Um, next week, Brian and I will wrap up our divorce arc with some conversation about who we became post-divorce. How did our friendships and our self self-perceptions and activities and everything else change? Or stay the same. <laughs> and then, then after that, after next week's show, we get to get into the exciting five-episode f- dating arc. Woo! Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I'm it's not helpful be a hell with of a good time. Yeah, that's why I had you on today. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on a date in 27 <laughs> years. That's why well, you're here Your husband today. never takes you on true. dates. That's Come not true. On. We go out on dates, Backtrack. but I, I haven't been on Backtrack. a date with, with like anybody new. other than him. Yes, with someone now. <laughs> right, D- exactly. Dating is weird. Dating mm-hmm. is Dating weird. Is We're going to get there, Brian. We got yes. we got to two more episodes and then we'll start talking about that stuff. Oh boy. So, my friends, until next time. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Would anyone like a tissue? I'm fine. We're fine. Everything, Everything is, is fine. fine. Got a question for Chrissy and Brian? Connect with Not Quite Therapy on Patreon. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out How to Do Life, too, on all these platforms and on the podcast app of your choice. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? That was kind of fun. I think I need another drink. Whew, those two are special. <laughs> <laughs>